0: Hi Stefan, how are you? Hi Peter, I'm, I'm great. I'm, uh, I'm actually great. I'm very honored uh, for the invitation. Oh no, on your podcast. So uh, I'm very,
1: I'm gra- very grateful that you took the time. Now
0: I'm excited.
1: Great. These are special times, Corona times. What does that mean for you? Are you living in fear? Because you're an entrepreneur. You, you actually started the business also in the, in the middle of these Corona times. What, what is the impact for you?
0: Well, for me personally, and it seems a little bit weird to put it that way, I think the corona crisis for me came at the right time. Okay. Because now I, if I look back at me before the corona crisis, I feel like I was just running around too much, chasing okay. too much things. And now it was like a period to, to calm down, to reflect on a lot of okay. things, to evaluate things I was doing in the past, and also to, to grasp a lot of new other opportunities. Um, because yeah, you mentioned it. I started a new company during the Corona time, so that wouldn't have happened if there was no no lockdown in Belgium. So on a personal level, I'm grateful. On a on a societal level, I'm a little bit worried about uh, the impacts, both e- economically and, and socially, and how we will recover as a society.
1: I mean, economically, I can understand that, but maybe socially i mean you just mentioned the word self-reflection it's it's you're forced to stand still and to reflect what is actually giving you energy and what's your passion and what is actually just bringing you money and you can also yeah, ma- make money with doing your passion of course eh? yeah but don't you think that i mean that we are never going to return to the old normal and that just like you maybe this is the way to slow us a little bit more down and really to reflect and think what's really essential for us. Because people are dying, eh? yeah?
0: Yeah, indeed. It puts everything in perspective. Um, And the reason I said I was a little bit worried on a a social level is not for the people like me who who use this time for self-reflection and who will come out stronger than they entered it. But I think there are also a lot of problems in society. And, and by the way, I'm a criminologist by education, so I'm always thinking okay. from that, that kind of perspective. I think there's a lot of um, people we, we don't think about right now that will have a certain impact of this crisis. Like, I like mean, who? people who are like in, in, in living living in poverty and homeless okay. people, yes. we never hear about them in this crisis, so that's a little bit worrying to me. But I also think like you put people or families together in a house for a couple of months, there will be tensions with a lot yes. of people. Yeah. And, and I can imagine if, for example, you lose your job or you are just at home, um, unemployed on a technical, um, I don't know the word in English. I think there can be and if there are deeper um, problems present with people, they can come out in this kind of periods. Yeah. So that's what I'm a little bit worried about. Um, for the impact on on people's life after after this,
1: yeah, yeah, and that's um, yeah we don't know the answer. Eh? We're going to see when when because we don't know when it's going to be over. I mean, I'm am I'm also a musician, so I expect the summer and even the rest of the year. I don't think yeah. personally that I will go to mass events myself, even during
0: uh during summer. To be honest. No, indeed. I can't even imagine that I would walk into, for example, like a like a nightclub, yeah. feeling comfortable yeah. being around hundred people yeah. all packed together in yeah. one small room. Yeah, it uh, it sounds dangerous when I just imagine yeah, it. So. Yeah, yeah. now you it's to adapt.
1: You you, you are thirty one. Um, you you said you studied uh, criminology. After your studies, you immediately became entrepreneur.
0: No, so I indeed studied criminology. Why did I do that? Because at, at 18 years old, I didn't know what I wanted to do in life. <laughs> I know that. Um, like most uh, youngsters, I think. Um, I started economics just because everybody was saying, like, that's a good degree. If you have economics, you can do anything you want. I was like, okay, let's do it. After one year, I, I really noticed that it wasn't my passion at the time, at that mm-hmm. moment. So the business thing was, was nothing for me when I was 19 years old. And then I just um, yeah, spent some nights thinking like, what do I really like and what do I, am I really passionate about? And I've always been passionate about crime. I don't know why, but I always liked crime movies. That's a cliche, uh, but it was true. But I was also passionate um, about how society shapes people and how people behave in a society, either in a good way or in a bad way. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I was like, okay, I need something like psychology, sociology, law was interesting. And in criminology, I actually found a little bit of all those disciplines. Okay. So that's why I just went for what was my passion at the time. And I never regret to, to study criminology because mm. it gave me a very broad background. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think also given the fact that I'm now in the business world um, and not in the criminology world, I think it's, it it yeah. I think I think differently because I don't have a standard economics degree.
1: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Because I had to let go a lot of these things that I learned because uh, th- this can also limit your way of thinking. Yeah. That, now, so and then after your studies, you immediately became a kind of project program consultant, or
0: yeah, yeah, indeed. Well, I, I, st- I well, where did where did you get
1: that? Where it, I mean, I, I can't imagine that you were. You, you have your last beer, you, you throw away your codex eh, or, uh, I don't know, lens, eh, and you say, this is the real world. I'm going yep. to start my company. I'm going to de- deliver um, project management and program management consultancy services, and I want to become a COO or something within two years. How did that, how did that process work for you?
0: By accident, so I was after finishing criminology, I was studying public management because it was like management. It started to 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 interest me, and I was like, okay, as a criminologist, I can work for the government. I should study public management, okay. so government management. I was bored after two months uh, mm-hmm. by just sitting in in lessons again, okay. and I had a friend who started the job as a project management consultant. Okay. He posted a job vacancy and I was like, okay, I want, I want to make money. I'm tired of, of going to okay. university. Okay. I applied and I got the job and that's how I entered the world of, of consultancy. A world but, but, that I never have left uh, until now, actually.
1: But uh, I mean, project management, I'm thinking about 6 Sigma, a waterfall or Prince 2. Did you study this kind of methodologies or are you like, we'll handle it. Uh, let's do it. I and mean, we use our common sense or how did that work?
0: Yeah, I learned that job, so they offered a lot of training, which was nice at the moment. And I'm also a big fan of learning by doing. Yeah. Like, I'm not the kind of person that wants to lock myself up in my room and study hard before I start doing something. I rather do something, fail at it, and just learn on the way and, and yeah, learn on the yeah, job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm a big believer in that. And I've always done it like that.
1: Okay, cool. Now, I mean, next to that, you also created. something called ebbc and moonshots Well, first of all what is the difference between the two because for me that's not clear
0: yeah well it all started with ebbc and um i call myself indeed a co-founder but i should give all credits to a very good friend of mine colin i don't know if you met him before he was also at peter henson event but um a few years ago i was looking to join a kind of network organization because i was like okay it's fine to do my job I have okay. my friends outside of my job, but I'm missing something to develop myself more as a person. So I started going to network organizations, and it's always struck me that it was just a boring presentation and some random um, handouts of business cards with no real connections. Yep. Um, then I was like, okay, what do I like in life? And I was looking at my bookshelf, and I was like, okay, I like reading business books. So that's a passion of mine. I want to share that with other people. And I had, like, the idea, a, a club for people who like business books. That would be yeah. something. I Googled it, and I found a little website, um, which was called eBBC. Um, it was just a few months old, and it was Colin, who I didn't know at the moment, which, who is now one of my best friends, who started something with four or five people on top of a restaurant in, in zaventem a pizzeria. Um, so that was, like, five, six people enjoying mm. a pizza, uh, discussing books. And I was hooked um, instantly. So I told Colin, like, "Hey, we should, yeah, we should make this bigger than it is right now. We should make it a, a full organization worldwide." He had the same ID, so and, I joined as. Uh, wait, wait,
1: and EBBc—that's an abbreviation for—is that European yeah. book?
0: It's entrepreneurial business booklet. Okay. So that's that's a mouthful, but the name says exactly what it is. Yeah, and you can book scale
1: global, Club. so.
0: Yeah, indeed, the E also stands for European or even, uh, it's it's more than European, but I'll get to that uh, in a moment. Okay. So we, at the moment, it was like 2017, I think. We formed a core team of of four people, Mm -hmm. me, Colin, Kim, and Louisa. and we just started growing it in Brussels. So it was very local in Brussels. We hosted events at at the offices of the company I was working for at other companies. And then we decided because I was from Ghent, somebody else from the team was from Antwerp, and we were like, this is too good to just be in Brussels, we should be everywhere. So I went back to Ghent, started in Ghent. My friend Louisa started in Antwerp. And that was like the first expansion we did of the concept in, uh, in Belgium. Um, but to make a long story short, we are now also active in London, Amsterdam. Singapore was going to start up this week. Normally I would have been in Singapore, but that's not happening for obvious uh, reasons. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah, because of the lockdown, um, uh, I can't travel anymore. Uh, so that's of course, uh, of
1: course. we have yeah things, like eh? things, things like this. We have things like this. Eh? It's also great.
0: Yeah. Um so yeah, to to put it short, we're now active in, in Europe and we're starting up in, in Singapore but also in Sydney. And the main concept is actually kind of simple. Like we do a session once every month around okay. a certain book. Yeah. Everybody who wants to attend the session um has to read the book or has to read the summary of or watch course. a podcast, yeah, whatever. whatever. Just uh Know the topic, and then we, we do a deep dive during a session, um, which does not include a boring presentation. It's like an interactive evening with post its, flip charts, pitches, brainstorms, case studies, whatever. There's a lot of possible ways to do it, but it's a night where we all interact together on the topic of the book, learn from each other, pitch ideas to each other, get to know each other, make friends, make business. Everything can happen at uh, these kind of EBC sessions. Okay, it sounds so like, it's like so, it sounds
1: like the business version of temptation. And, and anyway, but the, yeah,
0: um, I think um, <laughs> I think we have one couple, uh, romantic couple, that was formed at EBBC. Okay, yeah. so uh, yeah, it can it can happen. Uh, yeah. I see the similarity. Yeah, but
1: how, how did you then create some kind of chapter with values and a mission statement or something to make sure that your baby is everywhere a little the same because yeah otherwise it's not ebbc anymore because yeah, it's different people and people are not the same so
0: yeah definitely and that was one of the the biggest fears we had we wanted to make an organization that is um bottom up Mm -hmm. so for example if somebody in, in toronto in canada wants to start a chapter we say go just do it and we guide them to, to create it. So in that way, it's really scalable. We don't need to go all over the world to start up chapters. They can just pop up themselves. But indeed, two years ago, we had a brainstorm exercise at one of our apartments in Brussels, it was, I think, where we just wrote down different values that we ourselves found important of EBC. And every introduction we gave about EVBC, those values always came back um what, what were the various curiosity um entrepreneurs what one of the values um i think we had five of them but i can't remember them them all what was most important in sharing that vision was our mission statement okay. and that is we activate your knowledge and the why is between brackets yeah. because it's our knowledge as a community but also your knowledge as an individual who is joining those sessions I we really feel like that mission statement hasn't changed in years yeah. because it's, it's, it's so good in describing what we actually do. Yeah. We activate knowledge. You can read a book, you have information, yeah. you have knowledge if you apply it in the real world, but we should activate it in those sessions altogether.
1: I attended the special session uh, in Antwerp um, at uh, on the Antwerp of Peter yeah. van Keer with uh, Peter Hinsen for the, the launch of his new book, uh, The Rise of the Phoenix, I believe it's called. Yeah. I mean, I was amazed how many young entrepreneurs, I believe they were entrepreneurs, I mean, and, and the passion and the, the willingness they had to sacrifice a Thursday or a Monday evening, I don't, I don't remember anymore, um, just yeah, to listen <laughs> to a writer explaining his business book and be really amazed uh, i was yeah i was I was shocked because uh, yeah. ha, I mean, is that every time like that, or was that because of peter hinsen a little bit more
0: yeah, well, I, I always say or I say it a lot, um, writers are the new rock stars, uh, scientists are too, like yuval Harari, he's a rock star I think yeah. for our generation yeah. Yeah. Uh, Peter Hinzen was actually that was a big um, a big event because Peter Hinsen is, is actually one of the rock stars in Belgium, I think, in terms of, of, of business and entrepreneurship and yeah. innovation. He's like a guru. Yeah. Everybody knows him. Everybody read his books. Everybody wants to see him talk. Mm-hmm. We had like 100 participants and the tickets were sold out in two hours, I think. So that was, that was crazy. Never seen, uh, seen that before. So I'm very glad you joined that event. That was one of the biggest and baddest events we, we once had. But earlier, you also asked me about moonshots, what yeah, moonshots. Yes, yes, it yes. was a so difference between the two. Yeah, and it might be complex, but that was a Moonshots event. Okay. Now, now it's starting to get uh, complex, I think. But we have EBBC, where we do sessions on books without having authors there, okay. without having experts. It's just us as a community dialogue. who are the experts that are facilitating the session. Moonshots is a, a spin off of EBBC and, and one of my passion projects. Um, I think one year ago, I was talking with Youssef Kobo. Uh, you might know him um, from A Seed at the Table. So, A Seed at the Table it's an organization you can compare to EPBC. And uh, what they want to do is they want to um, put youngsters, mostly from Brussels, uh, Brussels, from a more vulnerable background. Yeah. They want to put them together into rooms with the biggest CEOs, politicians, yeah. and so on. Yeah. Um, so, really, a networking organization. And to some degree, I I thought that EBBC and I see the Table had the same kind of mission. Yep. Like we want to empower people to become the best version of themselves. So it was kind of a no-brainer to host events together. Everybody everybody is welcome, eh?
1: Yeah, I mean, everybody is you, welcome. You don't, I mean, it doesn't matter if you have a degree or not a degree. It just matters yeah. that you have passion about reading yeah. uh, business books, self, personal growth yeah. books, eh?
0: Yeah, so we had the idea, like, we have the community of EBBC, that's one community, we have then a community of A seat at the Table, that's a second community, and then you have, and, and I think you are part of that community, people who don't know EBBC, people nope. who don't know A seat at the Table, but they would also join these kind of events. So you have three types of communities all blending together in one event around a speaker. Um, so that's called Moonshots and that's like the uh, events co-organized by EDBC and by a the table where we um, have a concept where we have keynote speakers like okay. we had Peter Henson we had Geert Nules we had Kundeleus uh, from BNP Paribas we had Peter De Keyser from Growth yeah. yeah. Inc so the concept there is yes it's people who wrote a book but they do keynotes and we have an interactive discussion with those yeah. kind of yeah. people yeah. so that's the Moonshots um, event uh, series and that's all passion, it's all voluntary, yeah, so um, we work uh, at BBC with a membership fee, not to get filthy rich, that's not the goal. It's also impossible to get filthy rich of a, of a book club, but we do it to, to create some kind of of threshold, yeah. like you have to be willing to sacrifice something, and that's a few euros every month to be part of this of this community. Um, but it's indeed all a passion project, like we're doing it now for three years, we didn't make money out of it, but I think I spent an awful lot of time on it, on on uh, evening nights, uh, during the week, on weekends, all together brainstorming. So it's just a passion that keeps us going. And uh, for uh, for three years, I never had a moment where I was like, I need to stop this because it not making money. No, there's a no brainer that I just do it just because of the passion. And also because, because that yeah. Yeah, the community is kind of a breeding ground also for other projects, other ventures, meeting other people and so on. So it has its value, definitely.
1: And, and because I also assume, I don't know ex- you know exact your role in the organization, but I mean, I heard the story of um, Laurence van, what's, what's her last name, from uh, Nextworks, how you approached her. And that we have to send a text to her uh, to thank her yeah,
0: yeah yeah
1: now um i mean i can imagine that you also acquire new skills because if i see you as a project manager or program management i mean then you have to attract like people like peter hinson i mean you're actually going to have to sell your organization because he has to drive from odenarde in an evening get back uh, in the middle of the night to give a presentation to some youngsters and uh, did did you already did you also yeah acquire these kind of yeah new skills that you are not
0: yeah seeing in your job? Definitely, um, I never had a sales job in my life, so I wouldn't say I'm, I'm a good sales guy. Okay, um, I don't see myself as a sales guy. But you're but selling some, you're, is, sell, you're selling. something. You're selling the idea of see because definitely. he's a busy guy. Yeah, he has
1: yeah. all these choices and options.
0: Yeah, so yeah, we, we do a lot of selling on all levels. Like if somebody new joins one of our sessions, we have to sell the concept to them in order to, to, to get them coming again, like the second time and the third time and the fourth time. So we sell to our members. We also sell to people we invite, like, like speakers, like Peter Hinson, uh you mentioned. We also sell it online to, to people in new cities that say, hey, I want to be a part of it. There's also a selling process we have to do. So indeed, I think sales is one of the things I really learned at EDBC, um, which I never saw as just learning sales because I, I feel like it came natural because it was a passion project. And I, I believe if you have a passion project, you are the best sales guy or woman in the world that's true. because you're selling your own passion, your own dream. And if somebody sees a twinkle in your eyes, then then you're a good sales guy. So Yeah,
1: that, that's you have to believe in it and you have to be really passionate about it and then maybe it just comes naturally and you're in some kind of flow because you really believe in it. You really also believe that you're creating value for your members and also for that keynote speaker. I'm really really sure that Peter Hinson, when he drove home that night, that he was like, I have touched like 200 youngsters, their hearts. I mean, for a guy like him, it's great to to have all the business guys. But I can imagine because all the questions they asked were... These were not the typical questions that a 40- or 50-year-old is going to ask. And yeah. I think that's, for him, very refreshing. And also, it's, it's a, a kind of, yeah, um, also something where he gets new ideas from.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because I also noticed, and it was really wonderful to see. Like, um, and that's, that's a fun story. Like, I, um, I made sure when Peter's keynote was finished, there was a taxi waiting for him outside. Okay. So I was like, hey, Peter, your taxi is here. And he was, he was like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm going to finish up. But he just kept talking to everybody, answering questions, um, even taking notes when young people of 18, 18 or 19 years old were saying something like he was really learning from these people, I had the impression. And he spent like an hour extra. Uh, his taxi driver drove away, kind of angry. We just called a new one. And um, he was just talking with people, even when he was sitting in the, in the, in the taxi. So he was, yeah, it was very nice to see that he also enjoyed it, talking to all these young people. And I think that says a lot about Peter Henson.
1: Yeah, yeah. but also afterwards on the social media, he was really enthusiastic. And I mean, a guy like him, uh, I can imagine uh, he's very busy. Um, That, uh, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's it's really also, I mean, he ended... Um, the presentation with Aleno, uh, it was during one of the questions, he talked about our formal education system and his opinion about it. Mm-hmm. And, he, and you can see he's really passionate about the fact that he, um, yeah, he believes in technology, he believes in innovation, but he also believes that our current education system is not going to fulfill the needs of the new generation of innovation people, engineers, whatever. Yeah. and um yeah when when somebody touched upon that question um yeah <laughs> <laughs> then he started a really passionate monologue about that so it it fits together eh? because yeah the, i mean 18 years 19 year old people where he can influence i mean he was telling stories about his son or daughter who's around 14 15 they're like yeah whatever that cough eh? so mm-hmm. um Now, something else. Um, So you're a consultant, but during the corona crisis, you started, I wouldn't call it a local initiative, you you started locally um, by really helping local shops, local retailers, whatever that they are selling, to sell their stuff online. And you provide the, I would call it gateway. And it works fantastic because I already bought a lot of things there. Um, yeah. Sorry. So, um, so actually, I'm I'm very happy because for me it's an opportunity. I discovered stores or even farmers that
0: I, I was not aware of. So, where did you get that idea? Yeah. So it it was yeah. I think all a coincidence. Like the lockdown happened. Um, as a freelancer, I also saw some impact on my my daily activities. What, so what, there was a the fact what, what that what, I... was the,
1: what, what was the impact for you then?
0: Um, Well, I used to work, I was working three days, um, paid for uh, another organization that was now limited to two days. So I Mm. had one day extra in a week. So that was one thing. Then I was like, okay, what am I going to do with that one day extra uh, in the week? And um, well, fun fact, I live in Nazareth, so pretty close to to Ghent. And I knew another entrepreneur here in Nazareth.
1: It's the backyard of Ghent, eh?
0: It's the backyard. backyard, Yeah, yeah. It's it's the best part of Ghent, actually. Less crowded. Um, and I, I was just calling on Facebook, and I, I already had the kind of an idea, like mm, the pizzeria, would, why wouldn't they do delivery service? And I had an idea, like, I'm just gonna call the pizzeria and say, hey, I have a company car, I have nothing to do at night, let me deliver pizza. So that was my first idea. Not the best idea, I think, um, looking back now. But then I saw Facebook, a connection of mine, I mean, we used to do a project together in the past, And he was like talking in some kind of group with freelancers and he was saying like, yeah, local e-commerce platform for local retailers. That's something I'm interested in. And I just sent him a message like, hey, uh, we live in the same neighborhoods, let's talk. So we talked, We, um, we also brought in another person who was also living, I realize now, 500 meters from my own house. He's of my age, we have the same kind of interest, but I never met him before. So the corona crisis is actually bringing people together Yes. Who never knew each other. And then it was the three of us in a Zoom call. And we were like, okay, local online, a local webshop for local retailers. Could that be something? in um, this crisis, for our local merchants here in the city. So it started out as a as a complete charity ID. Um, another person joined somebody from Ghent, Michelle. So we were four, and we just decided to build a platform uh, to just send out a mail to Uniso and with asking, like, hey. We are willing to do this. Um, send this email out to all your, uh, your merchants. Yeah, in Nazareth, and we'll see who responds. If nobody responds, okay, then it's a bad idea. Then we won't do it. But the response was overwhelming. I think in one day we had 15 um, shops who wanted to participate on the project. So we just launched the platform. We onboarded those merchants. And now we have, I think, 25 stores online on localonline.be here in Nazareth. So we achieved that milestone after two weeks, I think. One week of preparing stuff and then one week of going live. We have sales every day. We have new customers every day.
1: I mean, when you started something, I have, because I worked in several startups, I have a sympathy, somebody taking the risk to start a venture. So I was like, yeah, and it's nearby. I'm going to buy eggs, fresh eggs. I mean, come on. I mean, I don't want those eggs uh, with all that water. No, no, I want fresh eggs for the farmer. And um, <laughs> I, I, for me, it worked perfect because I wanted to see how the mm-hmm. platform works and the transaction and everything, and it works perfectly. Even today, I got a mail. You can pick up the eggs there because it's a low transaction, a low value transaction, yeah. which I understand. So I have a reason then to 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 leave the house. So, uh, what's next? Expand yeah. over it's the so complete Belgium? Uh,
0: exactly. So we, we, um, we launched Nazareth, and after one week we were like, okay, this is nice, Nazareth, it's one thing. And then uh, we started thinking about expanding. So what we did, I put out, or we put out a call to action on LinkedIn, like, hey, we have this platform in Nazareth. Nazareth is only one little village in Belgium. If you're interested to have local online in your city, shoot in my DM, let's talk. And that's how we now got seven people we call them local chiefs. So they are chiefs of a city that are actually starting up local online as we speak in uh, different cities. Okay. We have Ghent, Hasselt, Genk, Gimbergen, Waregem, okay. Um So all over Flanders and yeah. um, in, all, in all provinces. And they are now reaching out to merchants, uh, setting up Facebook pages, Instagram pages to just have the same concept um, all in Belgium.
1: But it's no longer a charity model.
0: Well, that's also something that changed after like two days of brainstorming. We were like, we were as as the co-founders, we were always interested in e-commerce. Mm-hmm. And we also were wondering, like, why should we go to um, platforms from, uh, from big companies from other countries? And why is it so hard to put on an e-commerce ecosystem in, in Belgium? Um, we then also realized like this lockdown situation. If you look on Facebook, you have all these hashtags, buy local. Call to actions by UNISO, by the government, by everybody. So the momentum is here. The consumer really starts to appreciate his local retail, which was never on top of minds before this lockdown crisis. So our minds also shift a little bit. And now we are thinking like, okay, we can actually, we believe we can build a company out of this. Yeah. A profitable company that is providing local retailers with their own webshop without them having to um, invest a lot of their yes, time and, the efforts problem, and, eh? and technical developments. and, and, so and that's also the biggest and, problem we try to solve.
1: Yeah, because uh, m- some of them have one, and it's a big investment. You have to maintain it. You have to also have people who are going to maintain that. And a lot of them also forgetting that you have to yeah, advertise, do marketing, SEO, CR, uh, all the things to really make sure that the population knows your platform. Now, Indeed. I mean, I'm going to switch to another question. Um, who are for you role models that you admire? It can be in project management. It can be like writers. It can be, I know, our business executives. Uh, is it like the Elon Musks of the world? Uh, who, who are the people that you say, I mean, this is my role model. I want to, yeah. I wouldn't say become like him or her, but this is really for me, which keeps, yeah, yeah inspires me.
0: Yeah. Well, it changes a lot my role models. Now. like if you would ask me this question a few years ago, I would have said Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg, like the typical mm-hmm. kind of cliche startup gurus.
1: And why? And why? Because they make lots of money or
0: why? No, not because of the money, but because they, they, they start with a vision. No. And if you look back at it, like the vision for Facebook. If you pitched it to people 20 years ago, everybody would mm-hmm. just say, like, that's a fantasy. Yes. But nobody needs it. But those kind of people just had the persistence to actually transform their, real- their vision into reality yes. and also convince people that they need Facebook. So that's something extraordinary for me. Mm-hmm. If you can create a new market that didn't exist um, before, like Steve mm-hmm. Jobs did for Apple or Elon Musk is doing for electric cars and, and mm-hmm. the rockets flying, mm-hmm. flying to the moon. So that's something I appreciate in, in those kind of people. Um, but again, that was that would be my answer a few years ago. If my answer today, it's more like people who, and I think it's a criminologist than me talking now, people who start with focusing on making the world a better place. Okay. Doing that by creating uh, sustainable business models. Okay. So not really people who just start a charity with, with money from the government. Yeah. I mean that that that's okay, but I think we can be more creative than that. And I'm more talking about social entrepreneurs. So people who want to solve a need for a society by creating a business that actually can be profitable um, and self-sustaining because I think that's, that that's the key to creating a, do you, um, a sustainable do, business. Do you know Scott Harrison?
1: Uh, the name rings a bell. The, that's a guy who who, who used to, yeah, was a very successful entrepreneur, but he was, filling some kind of voids in himself. He was dating like models and having a really rockstar life. But yeah. he was like, there's something wrong here. So he left everything behind and he started a company not to make money, but his mission yeah. was, I want to solve the water problem in Africa.
0: Mm-hmm. So what
1: I'm going to do, I'm going to ask all the big corporates like Samsung and things like that, I'm going to ask them for uh, sponsorships. With that money, I'm going to fund my people, and we're going to actually I'm going to create water dwells, so that the people in Africa are um, having water. And now he's like a rock star because, like Will Smith, is helping him, for instance. And now he has an, an another project where he is um, he's do he wants to solve the the hunger problem. So and it's about and he's really it's really moonshot thinking. Eh? I mean, to really yeah. use the Peter Diamante's term, it's really like there are like 1 billion people. I don't know the exact amount are uh, who don't have water. And now he's like, i he already provided 400 million people who have access to clean water. Yeah, I mean, exactly. and the business model is, is really about, yeah, fundraising, but he do, does it in a very commercial. He has written a book, it's called water. I mean, and he's, he's, he has done a lot of podcasts and yeah. He's uh, he's selling his thing, yeah? and it's it's a company, yeah?
0: yeah. Yeah, well, that's an amazing amazing project. And I think I I saw him on a website in lissabon I went there in October, and it was like a panel about water, with also Jane Smith, so Will Smith's son. Yeah, I think it's the same company they they yeah. have together. He's also yeah. in, in, involved in uh, in it. But that's really a great example of the kind of entrepreneur I, I just described. One of my <laughs> personal heroes. Yeah. yeah go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go
1: go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, one of my personal heroes there is, um, maybe you know her, Lila Jenna. Um, It's an American entrepreneur, and she passed away a couple of months ago. She was young. She had cancer, I think. But what she did, she um, she made an observation of the world, and she said, like, charity isn't working to lift people out of poverty. People in poverty only need one thing, and that is work. If they have work, they have an income. They can fix their house. They can feed their families. Everything starts with work. And what she did, she uh, started at the time a nonprofit called SanduSource that is actually just giving work to people in India and Africa. What kind of work? She goes to um, big software companies that have software that needs to be tested, but that can be tested in a kind of easy way. Yeah. And she then employs people in India and Africa to test the software, get them an income, and raise them out of poverty. Um, it started as a nonprofit. But then of course her customers are big software companies, they have money, so there was a lot of revenue. And then she, she switched the company from a non profit to a for profit company without without yeah, um, yeah. hurting the, the, the big cost behind yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Where, where where did you get that passion for um, improving the world? Because I find that so admiring because I really believe you can have you can make lots of money, I mean, as a company, and having really changing the world, and I think to be honest, companies after Corona should only focus on that. They should really mm-hmm. think about their, their their impact on on our society. Yeah, where did, get did you get that? Is because of your your parents or your brother or,
0: or where, where did you get you that? Um, Not really. I don't know. It was on my mind when I was growing up. Always. It was also the reason why I chose for criminology. Yeah. So also to help improve society. Um, I don't know where where I got it. I just feel like everybody has a responsibility on this planet. Okay. And of course, we can live our own life and focus on ourselves. Yeah. But I think if you want to yeah, have a life that is fulfilling, yeah. you, you have to serve other people. Yeah. Because we as humans, yeah. we are social beings. Yeah. And everything we do, even if, like for example, if I shave my hair, I'm doing that for other people because yeah. other people will notice it. So everything we do for ourselves, we do for other people. Yeah. And I think if you want to be fulfilled, you also need to empower other people. Yeah. Also the reason why I'm in the EMBC, because yeah. I, I like empowering people. Yeah. Also the reason why I liked the Moonshots project with a yeah. CD cable, because they empower people. Yeah. Do you believe that all people
1: are good, but due to certain uh, circumstances, they become bad, like the, the movie The Joker?
0: To some degree, yes. I mean, I, I think there are people, and it's yeah, it's all a question about nature versus nurture, I think. Mm-hmm. I think most people are born the same. Mm-hmm. Not good, not bad. But I do think the environment you grew up in or you live in has a big impact on you as a person. Yeah. For example, I believe that if you are um, a young boy and you grew up in a rich family or you grew up in, in the streets of, of Brussels mm-hmm. in a impoverished environment the same kind of kids will turn out completely different yeah and also I'm a firm believer like and that's the criminologist talking again like people in jail are not just bad people the things they did that were bad that's actually only one aspect of that kind of person for example you have like people who break in into houses those people can also be good people to their mother to their friends to their grandmother so everybody has good things and has bad things. No. I think in some circumstances the the bad stuff just yeah comes out and and becomes dominant. But I think there isn't something as a good person versus a bad person. No. Of course, you also have people who are just mentally men- mentally ill, like 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 psychopaths or sociopaths. That's mm-hmm. that's another discussion. But I think most people are just not good and not bad. They are just shaped by the environment and by by their experiences
1: Yeah, Mike and uh yeah, interesting, interesting. Now, um yeah, you 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 lead a book club. Give me your top 3.
0: My top 3. Well, actually, I, I was hoping for this question I have them right. Yeah. <laughs> <here. laughs> okay, don't call the playboy or something, eh? I mean a real book No, right? no, no. You see I'm totally prepared for this kind of uh, session Yeah, night. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but my top three, it's, it changes a lot. Um, and I'm going to start with one of my all-time favorites. It's uh, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. He's the founder of Nike. Um, morning. This is his autobiography. Yeah. Okay. And it actually reads like, like a fiction book. And, and it's uh, what, just Phil. Well,
1: uh, what, what is so the, the, the most important lesson that you learned from that book?
0: Well, for me, the biggest lesson was, was when you think about Nike, you think about somebody who had an ID. When he started about building the biggest shoe brand in the world, okay. it turns out when you read this book that Phil Knight, he was a runner. He was not a good runner, but all he wanted to do in life was run. So one day he decided like, my knee is hurting, he had a, an injury. I can't run anymore. What can I do that is as closely related to running? So he just wanted to be involved in, in the running world. Okay. And that's when he decided to experiment with creating shoes and importing shoes for Japan. And by accident, he founded the biggest sports brand in the world. It was never its plan. So for me, the main takeaway is nobody has a plan. Cool. Steve Jobs probably didn't have a plan. Phil Knight didn't have a plan. I also don't have a plan. And these books make me uh, at ease because it's like, okay, I don't need a plan. Yeah, it works for work.
1: I I also believe that. I mean, I think you should follow the path that gives you passion and gives you positive energy. And then the path itself will unfold, and then yeah. just day after day, and, and suddenly you're you're running the biggest sports company in, in the world. That's number one. Number two?
0: Yeah. Number two. It's also a business book. So two out of three are business books, and it's the hard thing about hard things.
1: Okay.
0: It's written by Ben Horowitz. He's a, yeah, he's actually a typical Silicon Valley entrepreneur mm-hmm. and also yeah. an investor. And this book is covering um all of the bad stuff that can happen when you start your own company okay. why did I pick this book because now you know, being an entrepreneur is kind of a hype and everybody wants to start a company because it's cool and it's, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah it seems nice and you can have a ping-pong table at the office
1: yeah
0: this book is just describing all the bad stuff that can happen it covers topics like hey you hired your best friend and now you have to fire him yes but he's still your best friend. What are you yes. going to do? Yeah. There's no answers to that question.
1: Yeah.
0: And um, that's really an eye-opener and also a kind of realistic look into a world that is sometimes too much hyped. It's not all fun. People are yeah. losing money. People are losing their houses because they their fail. So what I do think I do, I do believe that everybody in life should try at one time to create something like something like BBC, for example, or just... Mm-hmm try out a passion project and see is it something for me or is it not something for me and then you know it also but i totally i, I don't believe that everybody should and could start a, start a company i mean no. that's that mad that's madness that's going to hurt people and we uh, people lose lives by it, that it, kind of mentality so
1: when when i hear you I, I i feel that you enjoyed the journey the process of growing and you don't know where the yeah, there is no destination, so it's always a journey and that you really enjoy every step of the way because it makes yeah. you grow as a person, also as a professional person, and you're gaining skills and also meeting new people to see where your limits are. And that's the same for me. There are no limits. The limits are here in your, in your head, yeah. in your mind.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, like I always start like new projects I'm doing, I start them because I'm like, hey, this is interesting okay, somebody else find it interesting. Let's see if we can find another person who thinks it's interesting. And for example, all my, my, my projects or ideas I'm working on, they all start without a business model. They yeah. just start with, hey, I like this topic. I can do something for those kind of people. Let me just try it. Yeah. And and sometimes there is a business model like there could be with the common line. Otherwise, we don't need the business model because we just like doing it like with you Okay. So um, you have to like what you're doing and otherwise you, you just have to stop it does it Do make sense to uh
1: that's correct i have a question in my
0: head but you still have a third book i believe yeah yes hold that question yes the third one and this, this is my lockdown book i the just read it book. uh finished it one week ago status anxiety in english by alain, alain de, de boton the you know philosophy one?
1: of course i know one. yes I, yes yeah of course yeah. Of course, this is more in the personal development space. He's uh, a great great um, TEDx uh, talk, by the way, also. Eh? Great speaker yeah. also. Eh?
0: Yeah, and I picked up this book. I ordered it um, when we were already in lockdown because it covers like a topic I'm, I'm suffering from as a person, but I think society is suffering from, status anxiety. We, we always just... want to compare ourselves with other people and we want to be the best possible version of ourselves so we can be better than other people. And we just are society of people that just want to impress each other, with no no rational reason behind it. And this book really goes into topic like, for example, if you were poor in the Middle Ages, you 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 weren't jealous of the people who are living in the castles and were filthy rich, because you had the feeling this is my place on earth. God made it this way. Yeah. So why would you be jealous of another person um, when you cannot, when you can't do anything about it? And then it just went they just go through history um and then it's mostly in the industrial revolution like like capitalism uh comes up and then the the belief in society is like everybody has the same um, chances and opportunities if you're rich it's your own um it's by by the work you have done if you're poor it's your own fault because you have the same chances as the rich people yeah and I think to one degree it's it's human because we as humans we are social animals, so we want to be well liked and we want to be a, a valuable part of the of the community we live in, but it, it's it's sometimes going to extremes. Like for example, one of my my biggest experiences this lockdown. Like I'm I'm the kind of person who has a lot of FOMO, the fear of missing out. Yeah. So for example, I like just to spend sometimes a weekend just by myself reading books, doing things I enjoy without going out or or having drinks with friends or or with colleagues or whatever. But in a normal time, I never have those kind of weekends because I always feel like I have to be there. If the party is going on, I have to be there. If these three friends are meeting up, I should also be be there. What I noticed now, like my weekends now, they are quite empty. I, I read a lot. I work in my garden. I truly enjoy it and the FOMO is gone. And why? Because I know that everybody in the whole wide world from the US to Saudi Arabia to China is also just in his own house without going to parties. So I'm like, whoa, I really enjoy this. And the FOMO is gone. And now I can truly enjoy this. I'm not worrying about what other people are doing. I just started like a week ago with putting my, my phone on, on the airplane modus when I go to bed. But otherwise, it was always on. I wake up, I grab my phone, I check Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn to see if anybody needed me. Most mornings, nobody needs me. But I still do it every morning. So it's like, uh, it's it rules our, our day.
1: And if you if you look at the uh, top performers in business, if you look what they are doing in the morning, they have all these morning routines. Eh? Get up at 5 or whatever. And it's all some kind of combination of sports, exercise, and some kind of sitting still or meditation or whatever they want to call it or yoga um, or just looking out of the window. I believe it was Warren Buffett. I don't know who it was. He was just looking for 20 minutes, looking out of the window. That's crazy. I mean, I mean, then there is no LinkedIn and you can, yeah, you can, yeah, because then you can really focus what I'm really going to do today or I'm going to survive and I'm going to be in a kind of reactive, um, autopilot modus where things are happening to me and yeah i have to react to that and that's a very different way i
0: I, otherwise you're doing always the same things yeah definitely and i'm i've always been struggling with that kind of uh i know why it's good and i still I, i often don't do it like for example now i have like a like a daily call every day because i'm working from home i sleep until 15 minutes before the call i wake up get some coffee dive into the call but I'm diving into reactive mode because That's I didn't it. spend an hour thinking or strategizing or, or planning my day. I know mm-hmm. I should do it, but I, I most, most of the times I, I don't. Also because I, I, I don't have a feeling like I'm, I'm actually struggling because of that behavior, but I know I would do, do more uh, valuable things if I would do it.
1: Stefan, um, these are all fantastic stories. What is for you a failure or a lesson that you learned throughout the years of your uh, 10, 12 years that you worked um, that you said, "Ah, this is for me, um, yeah, I wouldn't say a hard one, but uh, because I learned mostly through my failures.
0: Mm -hmm. Because, yeah. Yeah. I was actually thinking about that question today and I have the feeling and I, I, I am quite lucky that I can say that, that I, I didn't have any big setbacks in life yet. Okay. Like okay. professionally, of course, you always, yeah, you sometimes feel that something you try again. But I never had, I had the feeling like now I fucked up and now I have to recover yeah. from this. So I think I'm, I'm kind of lucky too that I, that I can say that. Um, so I went looking into my personal life, for examples. I think at one point, and I was working for one year, I was also in a long relationship. Um, back then with somebody and for a year I was really like I was completely settled down I just went to work I came home I ate I watched television all night went to bed and did that for five days a week and then the weekend I just did random things with friends and um, suddenly I stopped doing that because I was I was not happy I was gaining weight I was bored but I didn't know what could make my life better. And that's when the period started when I also joined EBBC and started doing other things and experimenting with things. So I think for me, that was a trap to become complacent and and not hungry anymore. And just um, not just being boring, actually. I was kind of boring at the moment. So I think that was one of my biggest lessons on designing a life that I truly enjoy. Mm. And not just um, doing like a lot of people are doing, just going to work. Yes, counting far. down until the weekend yeah. and, uh, yeah. and yeah. watching uh, television shows,
1: B- binging Netflix.
0: Yeah, right now, I, still I mean, it, you but focused.
1: Yeah, 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 of course. But now you sound very on fire and, and with a lot of passion. So I, I, I assume that you, at that time, you didn't have that.
0: No, because I was working my first job and I didn't really know did I like it or what, what would I would like. Um, I also think I'm the kind of person who is like a late, late blossomer. Is that a word?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I yeah. think
0: so. Yeah, I I was it as a child. Like I, I it always took me some time to get used to a certain situation or to I was I think I was, as a child I was often a little bit behind not intellectually but like yeah. emotionally on, on my peers and I think I also had it to some degree when I was when I was growing up. Um, And that I'm now more more confident than than like four or five years ago. Yeah. For example, now I'm just, I'm not really taking risks, but I'm like, I'm putting myself out there with this idea. Yes. If I would have done this five years ago, I would just, I I wouldn't do it because of the fear like, uh, what if people think this is stupid or I'm stupid? Yeah. Um, So that's something that was holding me back back then. And well, That's, but, I think, one of my biggest lessons. But, too.
1: but, but, but with, with, with that, when I saw you speaking at uh, in Antwerp, I, uh, you had lots of confidence, confidence in a positive way. Yeah? You were not arrogant. I mean, when you spoke to the, to the audience, I was like, uh, "Yeah, it, it, uh, you radiated lots of confidence." Yes. Yeah. I
0: so, uh, also enjoyed doing it.
1: Yeah, but I that's describe. it. Eh? It's no, not like you were thinking what they're own. going to say about me. Yeah.
0: yeah 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 that's some, and that's also strange i'm i, I call myself an introvert
1: mm-hmm. but even
0: as a kid i was introverted but i liked giving presentations okay Um, i think to one degree because an introvert likes situations that can be controlled and when you're on the stage you control what is going to happen because yeah. you know what's on the next yeah. slide and what you're going to say and everybody's yeah. just listening so to some degree i always liked it and i like it even more uh as i get older so
1: who are you? Who Stefan? within 10 years? It's
0: a hard question. Um, yes. yeah, like I said, uh, the book about Phil Knight from Mikey, he didn't know. I also don't know. I actually, I, yeah, I have no idea. There can be different futures. May, may, may,
1: uh, maybe you maybe say, I want to become a CEO of, of a middle-sized company, for instance, or something. Or I want to do some voluntary work, uh, around the world or I want to recreate an impact for the world with my ventures
0: yeah I think it would be vague first of all yeah I want to be happy that's one thing in 10 years I will be happy I will do something with impact but to say like I want to be CEO of a a SME that has impact I don't know if being a a CEO of an SME will be the right thing to do at the moment I don't know it -hmm. can be making impact by volunteering or it can be by Still working on the car online. Who knows? Yeah. Or in DC. I don't know. That's a great. But answer, I just man. want. Yeah. I think I want the impact and the happiness for myself, and just uh, my loved ones around me. If I have that in ten years, and and some money to pay off the bills. Yeah, I will be happy. I think
1: these are these are very wise words. Because when I had your age, I was not thinking like that. It's very wise words. Was very wise. I mean, you have now a ebbc you have your you have moonshots you have local online.be you have your consulting also what's next
0: well now um, i'm also because of the lockdown i'm reflecting a lot so now i'm really starting to discover like what am i doing until now and what are the things i want to continue doing after this lockdown okay um all the things you mentioned are our passion projects and i want to continue doing them so they will probably not uh, not disappear, all of them, but I really uh, I'm yeah, really discovering like what is the one thing, I will put all my energy no. behind.
1: If they put and, a gun against your head, what is the one thing?
0: Yeah, I would say for the moment, it would be local online projects um, that I would say, okay, I, I want to spend all my time on that one, see where it goes, see if it's, it becomes profitable and, and, and desirable for the customers and the merchants um but yeah i'm also thinking like i I used to go to a lot of events like will i continue doing that after this lockdown yeah i used to go to a lot of drinks because of the formal, of course yeah will i do that kind of things after the lockdown so it's more of little things i won't do again to make sure i can devote all my energy to the things that matter in uh, in life but But i'm still figuring it out i still have time i think we're in it for a few uh, extra
1: weeks, so uh... you can reinvent yourself every day. It's just who you want, just yeah, wanted to, to be. So I mean, true. I never I started, thought to started with the hair. Yeah, but I never thought that like two years ago I was going to do a podcast or even do YouTube videos. I was like you're crazy. So it's, it's just now. Last question, Um yeah. because I normally take one hour and we're already over it. But I really like the conversation, so and I don't want smooth. Uh, I like the I like the raw, un- unedited, authentic stuff. Now, yeah. what is still a crazy dream for you um, to do or to to be? I mean, uh, is it traveling around the world? Is it playing in 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 a movie? Is it uh, what is still like a, a crazy? I mean, for me, it's like if Chris Martin is going to call me to play guitar tomorrow, I'm gone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But he yeah. he has a fantastic guitar player and have great chemistry, but
0: well, one thing on top of my mind is um, playing at the big techno party as a DJ. Um, like the really Lent short. or something? Yeah, or, or the Compost Club in Ghent, or like a really dark techno place. Okay. Um, because also a lockdown project, I'm learning how to DJ. Never done it before. I just started two weeks ago and I still suck. But it's always been kind of a dream, like the magic of being a DJ is something appealing to me, so that would be like a like bucket list material even if it's for a crowd of 20 people who just enjoy the music it would be would be great yeah yeah i also have a big admiration for like producers i'm a, I'm a big hip-hop fan also yeah but i watched a documentary on on hip-hop producers and they just spent hours digging to to old records yeah the yeah, uh, yeah, no yeah, yeah. records yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to, find, yeah just- to find two seconds and then you see what they did with it, and they created yeah. the biggest hip hop yeah. hit in yeah. years yeah, 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 yeah. with just that sound. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. that's creativity. That's uh, that, those are artists.
1: So Stefan, I'm going to put the links below where the people can find you about yourself about your projects. Um, thanks a lot for your time, your passion, and uh, I'm very sure we'll meet again soon. Yeah, physically when it's allowed, of course. Eh? Uh, yeah, so, definitely. Uh, Yeah. Thanks a lot, eh? And take care. And I wish you lots of success. And I wish you a lot of success and a pleasure following your passions and your dreams.
0: Likewise. All right. See you soon. Yeah, bye-bye.